This episode is sponsored by Agent CRM. If you're in sales and tired of paying three, four, or five different companies for your email, CRM, funnels, phone, follow-up automation, check out Agent CRM. It's an all-in-one tool that combines all that you need to reach out, nurture, and close your clients. They've got weekly support calls so you can get up and running in no time. Get a free 14-day trial by going to the link below in the show notes. Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Intentional Entrepreneur Podcast. I have a very special guest uh, with me today. He's the owner uh, and founder of Elevate and Scale, a leading email marketing agency that helps direct-to-consumer brands unlock hidden revenue uh, and put their sales in autopilot while spending zero dollars on extra ad spend. I do want to welcome to the show Kyle Stout. Thank you for having me. A, a my pleasure. And you know, before we kind of get into uh, email marketing um, and um, in-depth topics about uh, how to get more clients, can you share a little bit about yourself and how you got into what you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. So I got started as a freelance copywriter. At least that's how I got started in the marketing world. Mm-hmm. And I was just really um, doing a lot of sales copy for businesses' websites. And I started doing other stuff for the clients I had. So writing emails, um, you know, maybe creating landing pages, um, ad copy, things like that. And over time, I found that email marketing was an area that I really enjoyed, but also where I was really able to generate the best results for the businesses I was working with. And so later on, when I went to, I wanted to start a a marketing agency. And at first I actually attempted to try to be the all-in-one agency offering everything. And I quickly realized it's just very difficult to be great at all of those different things. And it was kind of challenging finding the right people to deliver those services. So I decided to hone in on what has always worked the best for me. And that's email marketing. So, um, I know there's lots of different businesses out there that you uh, work with, but maybe for maybe just specifically for product-based businesses, why is email marketing so important as a strategy for them? Well, so for any business, I would say it's a it's a great strategy because it's a sales channel that you can actually own. You can own your list as opposed to not being able to own your following on different channels, and you have a direct line of communication with your leads and customers. And then really with product-based business businesses, especially most of these businesses are using Shopify if they're not on Amazon or some platform like that. Um, one thing that's really great is the integration between the email tools and Shopify or, or WooCommerce or whatever. The integrations are really good to where you can get a lot of the automated email sequences set up pretty quickly and easily. And you also have really good tracking as far as which emails are converting purchases down to, you know, which specific products people are buying from the emails. So it gives you a lot of transparency. And a lot of times with different marketing channels, it's hard to really track where the sales are coming from and what specific actions you're taking are leading to those sales. So, you know, email marketing can be a very daunting thing. And some people just kind of get right into it. But what would you say are the three top mistakes that business owners are making um, that are just costing them money, thousands of dollars? Okay. So the first one is relying too much on discounts. So a lot of times we as business owners, we, we might have this attitude that 
we think email marketing is annoying. So we might think that we're annoying people. And if you have that attitude, when you go to create your emails, it, it kind of, it shifts the way that you sit down to plan emails and write copy. And a lot of times business owners have this, this internal pressure. Like if I'm going to send an email to someone, I have to give them a discount code or they're just not going to be interested or they're not going to buy. And that's simply not true. You can actually generate sales without always discounting. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, run holiday sales and things like that. But what I'm saying is you don't, you shouldn't rely on a discount from for every single email you're sending out because you're going to be able to get sales without them. And if you continue to do that, it's just going to train people to not pay full price and it's going to eat into your margins. So then, uh, sorry, did you have something you wanted to add to that? No, no, keep going. Okay. So then yeah. for the next, the, the next common mistake I see is not really figuring out the right email frequency for your business. So, and this can range from sending emails way too often or not sending emails enough. So a lot of times uh, I see this more with smaller businesses where maybe they don't have, maybe they're, they, they have some good, but they don't have one really great strong sales channel and email marketing tends to be one of the strongest sales channels, if not the strongest sales channel for most businesses. So they start to lean a little bit too much on it early on and they're sending emails way too frequently. And what that does is you just burn people out and it gets to where they just don't want to receive your emails in the future and you end up losing the long-term value of your list. But then on the other side, I see this where with businesses that have a lot of sales traction and they have a good sized list, more often than not, I see where these businesses are not emailing their lists near enough because maybe again, they've had success with ads or um, with influencers or something else, and they have been neglecting email marketing and they might only send out an email once a month or not even really be sending out campaigns on a regular basis. And at that point, you know, they could be sending multiple emails per week. And that leads me to the third main concern, uh, you know, mistake that people make is not sending every email to every single person on your list. So you early on, if you have a small list, then most of the emails are going to go to most of the people on the list. But as your list grows, you want to start creating segments and really tailoring the content in those campaigns to those different segments. So for these businesses that already have some good traction, what I say that they could be sending a lot more frequent emails one of the key caveats there is they need to be using segmentation. So they're not sending every email to everyone on your list. And so when you're doing it that way, you can make more, you can just generate more sales from the more emails that you send, but you're still not overwhelming your list because you have these different groups of people that you're sending to. I think what you said is so important because as a, as a consumer as well, um, uh, you know, you like being, you like to buy, but don't like to be sold to. Uh And when you get the email for something that it's been on your mind and it's you've been researching, you know, so like for the right for the right buyer, that thing just hits just right at the right time, and you know you're you're clicking pretty fast to check out. And so you know, uh, all those those three mistakes, you know, if you can get get over those, you can get pretty good success uh, if you can just obviously get rid of don't make those mistakes, but you know, just enter the conversation into the buyer's mind with your, um, uh, with your email copy. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because whenever I meet people in real life and they ask what I do, and a lot of times I won't mention email marketing, I'll just say I do marketing. But when they probe a little bit, I'll say, yeah, well, I have a company that does email marketing. So, you know, those emails you get from companies 
And the first thing they always say, almost always is, oh, I hate getting those emails. And then the next thing they say is, but I always buy from them or I I spend way too much money on them, you know? And I think that's just so funny because like you said that, you know, we don't like to be sold to, but we do love to buy. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, ads, uh, uh, there's social media. Uh, how does email fit into your into a company's overall marketing strategy? So I really think you need the one-two punch of having a one steady source of traffic, and then you need to be able to convert sales on the back end. Because if you're not growing your list, if you're not sending traffic to your site, it's very difficult to really get momentum with your email list unless you already have a good size list of really engaged, interested people because there's just a limit of how many people are there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as much as I love email marketing, I don't think it's the only thing that matters. And I would say that the, for a business to really start getting traction, really the first problem that has to be solved in most cases is getting that steady source of traffic, whether it's through ads or organic marketing, whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. that's usually the first problem people have to solve. And then once you are getting some steady traffic, that's when it makes sense to really start building out a lot of those email automations and doing regular email marketing so that you can continue to, well, for one, just convert customers on the back end who don't buy right away, but also continue to get more repeat purchases and you get people referring other customers and things like that. Yeah. You mentioned like, hey, I, I, you talk, you had a, you're talking with somebody and they, they didn't like those receiving those emails, but you know, they did work. But you know, how do you, brand or how do you create emails where it's something like you know your leads would it's something they want to receive they don't hit the spam button they don't hit the unsubscribe button yeah so (laughs) the first thing it it just goes back to the fundamental uh, exercise of marketing and just doing your research on your ideal customers so for a business owner this is something that they might have spent a little bit of time on early on but then they kind of forget about it as they just get lost in the weeds of of day-to-day life of running a business And I would recommend setting aside a little time to work on your business instead of being in the business Mm -hmm. to to do this initial exercise of just mapping out the pain points, the aspirations, the goals, the hopes, dreams, fears, all of those kind of Mm -hmm. things that that would lead to developing what you might call a buyer persona or an ideal Mm -hmm. customer profile, you know, whatever term you want to give it. So then once you've got that, those are really going to be the topics of the email. So I like to to send out emails to people that use those topics as the conversation starter. And then we just tie in a product or a collection or whatever that makes sense for that thing. So for example, let's just say you are um, you know, selling jewelry. And one of the pain points for people is that they just don't really know how to define their own personal style. So you can send an email out just giving some tips on how to define your personal style, how to figure out what style works for you. And then it's an easy segue into a collection of products that might fit the style you were talking about or to just show some different products with different styles to help get them going. So that way, if the person wasn't in the market to buy today, the email was still interesting to where they think, you know what? I'm good. I'm interested enough to keep opening these emails, even if I don't buy today. And that's how you get, that's how you will eventually convert those people and also keep them long-term. Yeah. Uh, we're going to dive kind of a little bit deeper on that. So I know there's some cool reporting um, things that you can see inside some of these email pro- programs. Like, so let's say someone, uh, uh, you know, you can see they open the email and then maybe you have some, some tracker link. 
So for maybe this is kind of a more advanced technique. What things can you do right after that? Because now you know they're interested in maybe this particular um, uh, product or service, right? What are mm -hmm. things that you can, the business owners can do maybe to follow up or how to close the sale for, for something like that? Yeah, so there are there are uh, many different things. So one thing, like you mentioned, is tying something to some kind of automation to the link itself. So um, let's just say that if people click a link for a specific product and they don't purchase, then they could be enrolled into an automated email series that sends them information about mm -hmm. that product. So that's one thing. Another thing you can do is create segments that will automatically add people into different segments based on their purchase history or based on the products they're viewing on your site. And those can also be tied to automations or what you can do is you can, once those segments start to get to a pretty good size, you can create campaigns that you send out to those specific people just by having that, that information. And, and just that little bit of information is enough to now be able to craft an email that's a little bit more personalized to them instead of having to try to come up with something that appeals to everyone on your list. So one thing that I've heard is um, some people will buy, not because you sell, not solely because you sell a particular thing, but why you sell it or why you provide this service. So what's kind of the most effective way for a company to uh, brand its story through email? Okay, yeah. So. I think brand story is is huge. And one resource I would recommend right right off the top here is a, a book called Building a Story Brand. This is something I recommend to all my clients. It's a it's a pretty easy to read short book that has a, a framework that's very easy to follow to craft a brand story. And what they use is they use the hero's journey that you typically see in movies where um, you're you are framing your customers as the hero of their own story. And in your business is the guide that is just kind of stepping in and, and giving them a little bit of help to achieve what they ultimately want to. So, so for the why, if your business doesn't have some true, you know, um, social impact type of story where you guys are, are funding some sort of cause or anything like that, you could always create a story where the why is just about how you're going to enhance the lives of your customers and then mm. how you deliver that. The first place is in the initial welcome series where your leads will, so for you know a product-based business, there's usually going to be some sort of pop-up or some sort of mm -hmm. offer on the side that gets people to convert in. Same thing with B2B businesses. You usually have some kind of main free offer that you get people in. Mm -hmm. And in that initial sequence, that's where in the first couple of emails, you really want to go into this brand story. So for the first mm -hmm. email, I don't go too deep. Um, that's where I would deliver whatever they signed up for. So if it's a coupon or a lead magnet, whatever, deliver that, give them a quick introduction on your company. But then in email two of that initial welcome series, that's where I always like to have a little bit of a deeper dive into the brand story, really focusing it around them mm -hmm. and you know the, the specific things that you guys do differently and why it's important to you to deliver that value for your customers. And I find that, you know, it's just very you have a lot you're trying to communicate as a business. And if you don't get that point across to them early on, then it's very easy for them to miss it because they're mm -hmm. just distracted by so many things online. So you really want to right. not only deliver it early, but deliver it often. So remind people of those things. You can create little banners that maybe um, highlight some of those value points of your brand and just add those mm -hmm. banners randomly in your emails. And of course you want to make sure you're also sharing that same message on social and on your website mm -hmm. and everywhere else. 
So that way you make sure people don't miss it. So you mentioned B2B and welcome email. Um, what would you say are maybe the three most important email sequences that a B2B owner should have? One is, you know, like you said, welcome email sequence of they've, they've either download Leadmatic or they've actually become a, a client or customer. Uh, are there other email sequences you think are maybe just equally as important uh, as that one? Yeah. So with B2B, we tend to do a lot more sequ- or automated email sequences based around different free offers or lower ticket offers. So let's just say you're B2B and, you, and you're selling um, a service and it's thousands of dollars per month. You might have um, either a free lead magnet or some sort of uh, free training or maybe a lower ticket item that's more of a, like a coaching or just an information resource where they have to go do the, the thing for themselves instead of hiring you. Um, so what we would do is have decide on how are we initially going to get these leads in, build out a welcome series around that. And then from there, we would create what I like to call it an offer and a deadline sequence. So two separate sequences tied to whatever the first offer is you want to get them into. So the difference between these two is in the offer sequence, this is when we're first introducing this thing to them. So let's just say it's a free training or it's like a $50 or less product. Um, if they click, but they don't buy from those offer emails, then they're enrolled in this deadline sequence. And in that sequence, we're starting to add a little bit more scarcity, a little bit more urgency. We're trying to put the pressure on a little bit more, but we don't go high pressure in the first one because for the people who aren't interested at all, it just kind of pushes people away a little bit too much. So we only do that to the people who clicked showing us that they're interested, but they didn't buy. So we know that, okay, they just need a little nudge. So in there, it might be, you know, having a time deadline, or it could be that you're adding in some free bonuses that they, um, that they have to sign up now to get, or they won't get them. So things like that. So I do a lot of those around different offers. And so it could be where we we're just testing maybe two or three different offers to try to move people along to ultimately get them into the higher ticket service. Um, and then of course there's post-purchase and you can also do, depending on how you have the, your fulfillments or the, you know, the payment system set up on your site, you can do traditional abandoned cart and things like mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, post-purchase is really important. Just making sure that people are getting onboarded successfully, making sure they have the information they need to get great results with whatever the service is you're offering. Um, and then you can also have nurturing sequences. So, cause a lot of times with B2B, it's a long sales cycle. You might have people, uh, you know, it's like you're dealing with a, with someone who's super busy. All of a sudden they, for an hour, they're, they're signing up to different places and they're interested, but then they get swamped with work for a couple of weeks and they don't really engage too much with the emails. So you don't want to lose them completely. So that's where you can start to set up some nurturing sequences that have evergreen content mm-hmm. that it would be true today and it would be true a year today. And this is more value driven content. And you just have a little section at the bottom of the email reminding them of whatever the main offer is you want to get them into. And that's a way to stay in contact with them in and doing so that in a way that doesn't take a whole lot of extra time on your part. So for someone who's kind of very new to email marketing, and this is kind of their first for, foray into that, what would you say is like the first thing they should work on in terms of email marketing uh, as, as far as like maybe sequence or, you know, abandoned cart or welcome, what kind of gives them uh, a little bit of confidence, right? It's easy enough to get done. Cause I know when I've done these, it's like, 
I stare at a blank screen for a very, very long time. But what's what's Kemi the, the first thing that one of the first things that you should work on in terms of human marketing? So the first thing you want to do is to try to automate your sales process as much as possible, or really automate the follow-up that exists in your sales process. So what I would and I would define that as the step-by-step process someone has to take to go from being a lead to being a customer. And it's going to be different for a B2B business versus uh, you know, an e-commerce business where it's very straightforward, where they land on your homepage, then they go to a product page, then they add to cart, then they do step one of the checkout and step two. And then for a B2B business, it could be going, again, going through some sort of free lead magnet. It could be that you they have to go through and get go on a sales call. Um, there might be multiple rounds of that, or you send some sort of uh, proposal. So whatever your sales process is, map it out, and then look at your analytics and get the numbers for how many people make it to each stage of your sales process and the area where you see the biggest drop off. So say it's step three, between step three and step four, you're seeing the biggest percentage of people who don't make it to that next step. That's the first place to add in an email sequence that just, you're not trying to sell them on the end goal yet on the end stage. You're just trying to convince them to go to the next step of your sales process. Um, So yeah, you know, and if you're just starting from scratch, you definitely want to have a welcome series in place. But beyond that, I would say it's wherever you can add some automated follow-up in between the steps of your sales process. And that way you're just converting more sales from your existing traffic without having to spend more on getting more traffic. And once you've got that optimized and you're now you're getting a better ROI from your traffic, that's when it makes sense to start spending more on your traffic. Uh, you know, I know you started your career as a copywriter. And for, for a lot of business owners, their experience has really only been on the receiving end of, you know, well-crafted emails. So it, it's, it's hard for some of them to, even though they received it, to kind of put good copy at, on for their own business. What would you say is something that they can pick up fairly easy in terms of maybe some um, rules for, for copywriting so that they can get maybe their first email out the door? Okay. So... For people who don't have a copywriting background, there's this tendency to think that I need to sound professional. I need to follow all the grammar rules. It, like People think they need to be a good traditional writer to be a copywriter, and it's just not true because the rules are very different. So with copywriting, now typically, unless you are in a very formal industry where it's just normal to speak very formally, normally you just want to be very conversational and friendly. And people like brands that act like a human that, that speak like a human with a personality. So, um, if you already know your customers pretty well, try to think through the conversations that you've had with people in real life. So the questions that they've asked, the concerns they've expressed, the things that they've said that they really like about your products or services and have that in mind and just write these emails as if you were speaking to a friend and then some just general tips. So beyond just being conversational is to, not have long-winded emails. So keep the sentences short, keep the paragraph short, break up the copy. So only only have about you know two, maximum of three sentences per paragraph. So make it very easy for someone to skim the email because what's going to happen is you're going to put all this time and effort writing this essay <laughs> and no one's going to read it, right? So yeah. you want to make it very easy for people to skim. And then the people who are really interested after they skim through, if they are really interested, they're going to go back and they're going to read the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but just making it to where whenever they 
like visually see that email. It's not an intimidating, huge piece of text. It doesn't look like a, a school essay. So yeah. uh, again, you know, grammar just doesn't, I mean, assuming you have basic grammar, like use periods and commas, but, yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, yeah. you don't really have to, um, you don't need to even think about the traditional grammar rules that you learn in school. And also there's a, there's a tool you can use called Grammarly. Mm-hmm. It's a free plugin that just that uh, you can add to your browser. They also have a paid version and that will help give some suggestions for improving your copy. Cause one of the big mm-hmm. things is people write in passive voice instead of active voice and Grammarly will help you correct that. And it also just make suggestions if things sound weird. So mm-hmm. Grammarly is really good at, at helping you write good conversational copy. I was, uh, um, reading uh an article and talk about like knowing your audience and grammar um you know there's these nigerian prince email scams Uh and you know you and i probably read enough where you know this is like all these spelling mistakes and all these grammar mistakes who's gonna ever fall for this but i read that um that's there and that's intentionally to uh to segment out the people who are smart enough to know that this is a Nigerian print scam, the people who will not pick up those mistakes as quickly, those fall into the uh, quote unquote, you know, ideal uh, target, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're more susceptible to these, these types of emails because, you know, you think about it, it's tailored for, for them. And that's why they are, uh, they get, they, they send out their money out of the country. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I never even considered that, uh, but that's that's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we're here with Kyle Stout from Elevate and Scale. Um, we are going to get into our rapid fire hot seat question. Um, just answer the first thing that pops in your head. So you ready? Okay. All right. Uh, who do you look up to? Oh, uh, I, there's a bunch of people. I'd say Frank Kern is probably my best mentor. Yep. Frank Kern's fantastic. Um, what is the best business book you've ever read? Oh, man. It's another really tough one. I'd say one of them that started it all as far as learning marketing and marketing psychology is a book called Influence. Mm, Robert Cialdini, one of, yep. my, one of my favorite books. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever received? I would say focusing on relationships and and really focusing on people and a lot of the other stuff um, kind of works itself out. If you could do one thing over again, what would it be? I would have started focusing more on email marketing earlier on in my copywriting career. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the term three feet from gold? Uh-uh. Okay. So oh this- yes. Wait, you're talking about the the photo where the guy, one guy's digging and the other guy's digging, and one guy gives up right before. Yeah. So it's kind of based around that. So this, it's uh, from where I heard it first. I know the picture you're talking about, um, but the story uh, from where I heard it was uh, a prospector buys land and he buys all the equipment and everything, and he digs, 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 digs can't find anything. And like the picture, he kind of turns away. Uh, he sells it to the next guy. Right, sells everything. And the next guy only digs three feet and it hits, hits gold. So how do you know as a business owner when to, when that, uh, when you're only three feet from gold or when to pivot in your business? Man. Yeah, that's, that is tough. I've, cause I've actually faced that in the past, um, where I've held on too long 
And um, there have been times where I stuck it out and ended up paying off. I, I think just from the advice I've received and from my own personal experience that when something is going to work, there is some level of traction. Even if you're not making a ton of sales, you're at least mm-hmm. getting really positive feedback from people. Like you, There's this sense that you're onto something and there's some sort of forward momentum. So again, even if it's not major sales momentum right away, you are like, let's just say you're doing sales calls and maybe you're just on calls with people who can't afford your service or something like that, but they all love what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. You're just on the phone with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Now, if, people, if the people, everyone you're talking to is just not even interested or they just don't get it, it doesn't make sense. You know, maybe you need to refine your pitch or maybe what you're, what you're bring, bringing to the market just doesn't have demand. So I would say you need to look, uh, to me, I think one of the most powerful forces in business is momentum. Mm. And if you do have some for, form of momentum, then there's probably, a, there's probably worth continuing to dig. All right. Um, you lose everything. The only thing you have is your laptop uh, and a cell phone. How do you rebuild your business in 30 days? Oh man, let's see. Laptop and a cell phone. Well, assuming I have all the knowledge and and everything that I have today, but no relationships. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I would start creating free samples, like basically free versions of whatever I was trying to sell. So if I was selling marketing services again, um, I would try to, I would create examples so that I could get like a show to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would start posting on social media about that, but I would also join Upwork and, and whatever freelancer platforms, you know, wherever I could get in front of people who were buying that service. And I would use the stuff that I just created that were kind of made up as my samples uh, to get people. And I might even offer to do free or discounted work upfront just to get immediate client reviews. Mm-hmm. And I would use those to then get the better, higher paying clients. And that's, I would do that as like as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. just trying to get samples of work to show and reviews and testimonials to show. What's the best thing you spent $100 or less on and has improved your business life or personal life immensely? Hmm. Let's see. Trying to think of something that a lot of things cost at least a hundred dollars. Uh, wait, a hundred dollars or less on hundred dollars or less. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I mean, man, I have to say it's probably, it's probably different books. If I had to, mm-hmm. I, it's nothing, nothing recent. I can say, honestly, that's what nothing's coming to mind. That's recent, but I would say I've gotten so much value from different books that I've read over the years. And all of those are, are very cheap. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's, that's probably has been the most proven over and over. All right. And finally, um, what's the biggest challenge in your business today? Uh, the biggest challenge is, um, is really time project, uh, project management, just having time for everything right now. So, um, just growing and being able to train people to take on more of the work off of my plate and be able to do it in a way that are still maintaining the same quality standards that I have. Uh, that's, that's the one I'm dealing with right now. All right. We are here with Kyle stat from elevate and scale. Hey, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do it? 
So yeah, you can find me uh, anywhere on social media at Elevate and Scale. Our website is elevateandscale.com. If you want to uh, reach out to me directly through the you know, booking, a, booking a call in the form there. But otherwise, the best place to find me is on YouTube. That's where I'm putting out uh, my best content. All right. Thanks again, Kyle Stout. Um, it was really fun and really informative to have you on the show and hoping to talk again soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. All right.